This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Biden stumbles through an interview about his handling of Afghanistan with ABC News. The Taliban has started to go door to door looking for Christians. And CNN's Brian Stelter defends his BFF Chris Cuomo. We've got all that and much more coming up. And it starts right now. Hey there, welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy filling in today. And I know it's been a rough, heavy week for news. We have a lot to get to today, but I will say the bright spot for me has been just taking time this week to feel grateful for the country that we live in, the freedoms we do have, because we're seeing not everybody is afforded those opportunities. So we're grateful for our military, for the things that you know, we do still have. So I'm happy that at the table with me today to talk about these things and also share in that gratitude, Mr. Stubergear. That intro was uncomfortably positive. Stu goes, well, I, 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 I'm not used to that right now. I, I don't know how you can be so positive. I love it, but it feels weird. It's, well, it's been a good reminder. To, I mean, <laughs> dealing with all of these stories every day, it really has made me stop and think like, gosh, we really sometimes don't reflect enough on yeah. the protections we've had from our military for decades. I mean, the wonderful things that we're able to enjoy. So Yeah, they keep saying that uh, the, you know, the Taliban won this war. It's like, oh, at the end, we live here and you live there. So right. I don't know who won. Well, and for people who want more laughs and positivity, <laughs> Stu does America. <laughs> Thank you. You need to tune into that. And then Mr. Rob Eno is here today, our Blaze TV media critic. Thanks for being here. Thanks. You know, uh, it, it, I, I've just been thinking that I live under Clay Jenkins, and he <laughs> wants to arrest me for driving my car. So I don't know if it really is better. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can still laugh a little bit, so, um, so that's a positive. Okay, so we are going to start off with some heavy news, but, you know, this is a great time to stay informed about what's going on in the world. So we're going to start with President Joe Biden. He stumbled through an interview with ABC News host George Stephanopoulos that aired in part yesterday, claiming that his withdrawal from Afghanistan could not have been better executed. And he also couldn't remember a couple of the dates of the events that happened this week. Let's take a listen. We've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen... Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? <laughs> what I thought was we're, we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. Okay. Rob, you seem like you have a lot of thoughts on this. Do you feel like this this was the right response from Biden? No. I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. He's basically saying, eh, you know, we're the world's most 
powerful superpower. We, we, we couldn't have stopped, you know, any of this, right? I mean, I, I've got something from the Politico UK. Um, they do a morning email, right? And it, what they're saying is that the United States didn't tell the United Kingdom their longest allies since World War One, right? Like, like the special relationship didn't tell them that we were coming out and when we were coming out. It said that, um, it says that senior military commanders have also not been party to key discussions between the U.S. and the Taliban, so we were left in the dark about when they could be forced to pull out. They didn't, they didn't work with the ally. Maybe if you did that, it could have been a little bit better, Joe, right? And then you've got the same thing. Boris Johnson is like on the phone, um, can I talk to Joe? Like, got to know what's going on. And this was on Monday. It took 36 hours before Joe Biden would answer his call. Like, I don't know where Joe Biden was. Was he sleeping? Were they, like, trying to get the Adderall right and all the other pharmacological things so that he could, like, go on and tell somebody? We need to know what's going on with, you know, they talked about the 25th Amendment with, with Donald Trump, like, every day. Like, like, there's some real concerns here about what Joe Biden is doing. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. And then, you know, he talks about Oh, I don't. We we couldn't, you know, have expected the Afghan military to to run away as fast as they did, and the government. I mean, look, we we didn't think the president of the country was just going to flee. In 2019, the Afghanistan papers came out, right? And and, and the quote is that it was self that the government of Afghanistan self organized itself into a kleptocracy ruled by idiots. I mean, we've known that that's what these people are. He walked away with hundreds of millions of dollars. He's sitting on a beach in the Cayman somewhere in Dubai. We're never going to touch him. And, and he's going to live the rest of his life in peace and happiness. Why wouldn't he have left? It's just, it's, it's insane to think that these people think this way. It's incredible. I mean, the 25th Amendment, uh, I don't think we'll have it because they would lose Kamala Harris's vote in the Senate and they'd lose control of the Senate and they wouldn't be able to get a new vice president put in. So I don't care if this guy is like asleep for three months. They're going to keep him in that role if they, uh, rather than remove him um, in that way, at least. Um, but it's totally appropriate. I mean, what is he doing? Who is he? Is there a president of the United States right now? I, I, he doesn't seem like he's 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 actively engaged in this role whatsoever. If you can't find any problem with what's happened over the past week, uh, I, you are completely disconnected to all reality. Um, and, you know, I think the scariest part about this is we are all at least I have been at least talking about this in this way of like what a disaster Joe Biden just oversaw, like what a, what a terrible job he has done. And, of course, that's totally true. However, in addition to that, it's not over. We have tens of thousands of people there. At any moment, somebody in the Taliban could say, you know what, these, why are we letting these guys go? They just, they, they just ruined 20 years of our lives. Let's start killing them. And, and that could happen at any moment. And we could go from, uh, from a uh, Saigon situation to a Mogadishu to beyond. We could be talking about a lot of, uh, we could be talking about an international catastrophe that we can't even imagine that could draw us right back into that war once again. Uh, everything he has done, this is the single worst piece of presidential leadership I have witnessed in my lifetime. I've never seen anything like it. I have a very low opinion of Joe Biden, and even I am flabbergasted by it. Well, we have another clip where President Biden tells George Stephanopoulos, that he is committed to keeping troops in Afghanistan until all the American citizens are evacuated. Take a listen. Because we've got like 10 to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? We have 
about 80,000 people. Well, that's not the is estimate. Is that too high? That's too high. How the many? estimate we're giving is somewhere between 50 and 65,000 oh, folks total, counting their families. Does the commitment hold for them as well? 10% higher. The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. So do you think he's actually going to stick with this commitment? No, the State, the State Department told Americans, if you, get yourself, if you get yourself to the airport, if you go through wherever you are in Afghanistan and can get yourself to the Kabul airport, we'll get you on a plane and get you out. But we're not going to go and get you. We're not going to help you come out. And then the British, the same day, is like, we're just going in and we're getting people out. We're getting British out. We're getting the Afghan allies that helped us. And, you know, if you're with another country and you want to come with us, we'll take you with us. The Brits are saving our people and we won't. It's an absolute lie. The State Department said that they will not get people out of the country unless they get themselves to the airport. What country is this? What country do we live in? We're the United States of freaking America here. We can't get people down a mile road to an airport? What the hell are we talking about? Of course we can. You have to invest some resources. You have to expand the perimeter around that airport. You have to tell the Taliban to get the hell out of the way or things are going to start falling on their head that explode. That's what you need to do. There are, what, what are we doing here? Like, we can all sit back and say, look, if we get out of here, we can all sit here and have our magical wishes about how the Taliban is going to treat its own people. We all know that's not going to go well. But we still have people there on the ground. We can play those magical games later on to put... 10 to 15,000 of our own people and 80,000 people, uh, 50 to 65,000 people uh, that, that helped us um, in the hands of these, uh, these terrorists. And just, uh, again, on their own whims, will they kill them or not? Well, let's see. This is a terrible idea. I can't believe that he's actually attempting it and going in the media and defending it. You know, that first clip he played, he's like, well, uh, look, was it four days, five days ago? I think it was actually two days. It was two days yeah, before that. Yeah, two right. days before that. So I mean, it felt like five days. It felt like five days. But again, he hadn't even addressed these issues other than one speech where he didn't take any questions. It's not a crazy thing to ask him about, right? This was a good job, I thought. Stephanopoulos, I thought, pushed him appropriately, at least in the moments that I've seen so far. Um, I know uh, that, you know, he went on to some other stuff as well, COVID-related and such. But... This is an embarrassment, and I keep going back and forth from anger and embarrassment. I'm embarrassed for our country. I'm embarrassed for uh, the sacrifices that all these you know, soldiers made on our behalf to protect us, and then we treat their efforts this way. I'm incredibly embarrassed. You know, like by, for the people that helped us in Afghanistan, there was a translator in Afghanistan who, um, who helped us uh, on the ground, helped us translate messages that were being you know, sent over radios among Taliban and, and Al-Qaeda. He, at one point, caught a message about IEDs and warned the troops so they didn't go to this particular area. Later on, he saw the guy who was on the radio, recognized his voice, saw him, not only told our troops about him, but went and tackled the guy so that our troops could catch him. Then later on, they were in a firefight. One of our soldiers was hit and wound up becoming a triple amputee. But while he was down on the ground, he picked up the gun and started firing at the Taliban, a translator. And he is sitting in the country still. He's been trying to get out for five years and got another rejection letter last week. That is incomprehensible that our country would do that to somebody. And we're not doing it to somebody. We're doing it to thousands. Right. Well, and it's it's so interesting because a lot of these reports are saying Joe Biden was repeatedly warned against a quick withdrawal from Afghanistan by his top officials. 
I mean, he, he decided to take our military out of Afghanistan against the recommendations of his top military generals and many diplomats who warned a hasty withdrawal would undermine security in Afghanistan. Um, before his decision, there were a lot of meetings where intelligence and military personnel reportedly told him their security was going to go downhill. They were worried about the capabilities of the Afghan military and the Taliban's likely ability to take over the major Afghan cities. But Biden said, you know, I've learned the hard way. There was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. That's why we were still there. We were clear-eyed about the risks. We planned for every contingency. But I always promise the American people that I'll be straight with you. And the truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. And he basically just said American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. So it just kind of seems like everybody's pointing fingers. It's not about fighting in a war that Afghans aren't willing to fight for themselves. It's about getting your people that you have put in there to work for the nonprofits, to work for the NGOs, to work doing the water and the infrastructure and everything that we've been doing for Afghanistan. It's about getting them out first, the 10 to 15,000 people that are still there. You know, he keeps saying, well, Donald Trump would have screwed it up. Donald Trump would have screwed it up. I wonder what these European leaders think now, right? Germany said it was the biggest betrayal that NATO's ever seen, right? I wonder Mm -hmm. what these guys are thinking about Donald Trump right now. I can guarantee you that Donald Trump would have gotten everybody out in the middle of the night, gotten them out, then gotten our troops out and said, here, go, which was the right thing to do. We don't need to be in Afghanistan for another 20 years. You got to get out at some point in time, but you don't leave 10 to 15,000 of your own people there. Never mind the the interpreters and things like that, and we can argue about whether we bring those them to their country. We should. They, they helped us. But they're not American citizens. This isn't about fighting the Af- about Afghanistan. He's fighting for or Afghans fighting for themselves. It's about us saving our own people. There used to be a time in the United States of America where you didn't leave anybody behind. That time has passed. Mm. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, look, we've been there for 20 years. It's hard to really call it a hasty withdrawal, right? We've been there for 20 years. It's an incompetent withdrawal. Remember, Donald Trump negotiated this deal, and I think wrongly. I criticized him before. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to negotiate with the Taliban. Um, but he negotiated it for, for a May 1st withdrawal. This was known before the presidential election. Every, uh, he knew this going in. As he took the job, as he took the office, he knew this was a big deadline coming up. He moved that deadline into August, uh, first September 11th, like a crazy person. Like, we're going to give the Taliban a nice big anniversary <laughs> to celebrate. Um, but, you know, he moved it into, then he changed it again to August. And he had plenty of time to do this. It's not even an issue of being if it being hasty it's it's an order of events right you have a giant airfield you need a place for planes to take off you keep the airfield until the end you have military personnel you have civilians you get the civilians out before you take the military personnel out you take the uh the translators out before you take the military uh, personnel out i have you know look we're i'm in conserv- i've been in conservative radio now for 20 some odd years we've talked to a lot of people in the military over that time. I mean, we t- our, our show, the Glenn Beck program, was supposed to go national in January of 20, uh, 2002. So, and we wound up going early in September because uh, of 9-11. So we, th- my entire career basically is this, it started almost with this event. And I go back, we've talked to thousands of military members. There, I don't think I've spoken to one who wouldn't go back in there right now and, if allowed, go get these people out of that country. 
I don't think I've spoken to one that would say we should abandon a giant airfield and all of the all the all of our technology and our drones and our weapons and 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 fuel train and uh, uh, you know arm the Taliban military. Not all of them fought, so this would not happen. And then Joe Biden, in a few months, decided to let it occur. Again, it's just, it's unthinkable. It's, it's nuts, because he was in office as VP for eight years of yep. that war, mm-hmm. and yet still this happened. And well, he was wrong then, too. I mean, the, the, the thing about, you, you just said the weapons, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what they have. No. They, they could have the most advanced drones that the United States have that, that will, in about a week and a half, be in the hands of Chinese scientists who are going to reverse engineer them and make them themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. It's not just this. And you talked about, you know, we get we talked about getting our people out and stuff. How about telling our allies in NATO that have been there with us for the entire time that we're leaving today? Yeah, how about and that? And don't leave them standing there. Every single aspect of this. Hillary, it's, he blew. Well, and we have a lot of other shocking details that we're going to get to. First, I want to take a moment. I want to thank our sponsor, Keeps. So how will you know that you're ready to do something about your receding hairline and that bald spot? Well, it's when they're the first things you see when you look in the mirror. So, okay, it's time. Now what? (laughs) That's easy. Keeps. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any competitors and hundreds of thousands of guys trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention because Keeps offers doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair treatment. And because they're the generic versions, you pay about half the cost. So best of all, you do everything online. You answer a few easy questions. You snap a couple of pics of your hair. And then a licensed doctor reviews your info and recommends the right hair loss treatment for you. Then it's just shipped to your door. And should you have any questions along the way, you can message your Keeps doctor 24-7 and track your progress with Keeps progress tracking tool. So let's get you started with a special discount. Go to keeps.com slash why for 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. That's keeps.com slash why keeps.com slash why. We'll be right back. I'm going to warn you, these next couple of stories are really, really difficult This first one is about Afghan Christians. They are reportedly fleeing to the mountains in a desperate attempt to escape the Taliban. They're going door to door trying to kill Christians. According to an underground church that partners with Frontier Alliance International, um, they reported the Taliban. They are targeting these Christians for death. They have a hit list of Christians that they are pursuing and trying to kill. Since the U.S. embassy is defunct, there's no longer a safe place for those believers to take refuge All the borders to the neighboring countries, those are closed. All the flights have been halted except private planes. So the people are fleeing to the mountains looking for asylum. Um, The Taliban's going door to door taking women and children. The people have to mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old so the Taliban can take them. If they find a young girl and the house wasn't marked, they execute the entire family. If a married woman 25 years or older has been found, the Taliban promptly kills her husband. They do whatever they want to her, and then they sell her as a sex slave. The husbands and fathers, they have been giving their wives and daughters guns and giving them the choice when the Taliban comes to either try and kill the Taliban or kill themselves. They're also rifling through people's phones looking for any apps that would give them away as Christians, like the Bible app. Everything about this is heartbreaking it's horrific what do you make of the taliban not wasting any time in looking for these christians to execute them 
fascinating because the media is not really talking about a lot of that stuff. The media is kind of giving them this, this impression that maybe the Taliban's reformed this time. Maybe they'll be nice. Maybe, maybe the end, I mean, and really this is their only way to go to defend what has happened. Uh, so they're trying to pass them off as, as upstanding members of society. Maybe we should give them a chance. I'm not going to give them a chance. Uh, we know what they're doing. They're doing this around the country. There's tons and tons of video of it already. Um, I think, you know, you're right in the fact that it's almost impossible to talk about and think about. It's, it's hard to imagine, and I guess this is where your head was when you started the show today, when you say, hey, thank God we live here, because, you know what, you're right on that. You are right. We do put a lot of things, and we get pissed off about a lot of stuff that maybe we, we should put in perspective a little more often. Matter. Well, and Glenn is trying to help these Christians yeah. trapped enough. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's what I was going to say in that, like, I think, you know, all you can do, you can either just get really frustrated and upset and, and, and angry, or you can try to do something about it. Uh, Glenn started doing something about it a long time ago. This is when ISIS was, was uh, going on, and, and he started the Nazarene Fund, which was designed to be able to rescue uh, Christians and, and other um, particularly religious minorities who are being uh, persecuted by, at that time, ISIS, but other uh, Islamic extremists and, and others around the globe. And obviously that's coming into, uh, you know, real, there's a real need for it right now. And the audience, and I, you know, I said I've been doing this show for all of these years, and this audience is incredible. I mean, legitimately incredible. I know a lot of them are here on The Blaze and on the other shows as well. Uh, but, you know, we've grown into such a, a big family here, you know, that, that there's lots of fans from lots of different shows. But that radio audience has been there every single time. Every time we've come up with, here's a story of a, of a military member who's in a tough spot. Here's a story of a, a business owner that's being cracked down on the government. Uh, here's a story of, of Christians who are being persecuted around the globe. And, you know, Glenn talked to the people at the Nazarene Fund, and they said to save, I think it's something like 5,000 uh, Christians who are in... Um, Afghanistan right now and trying to get out, they needed $20 million, which you know, it was up $4,000 a person. I mean, if we were going to fly to Dubai right now, it probably cost us two. So it's pretty good, pretty good value, I would say, to go into Afghanistan, even though it's a lot of money. Um, that being said, just from one day, I think by the end of the radio show, from the beginning of the show one day, 27 hours later to the end of the next radio show, the radio audience had come up already with $14 million. And I don't know Amazing. what it's at now. Um, it's probably more than Probably that. even yeah. more. Uh, it's incredible how they always step up, especially after the last year when the economy's been in shambles and all the stuff that's been going on. They just don't care. They just step up every time somebody needs them. And I'm always amazed it's by it. It's incredible. Well, and I'm going to give you another reason to want to give. And Rob, I want to get your take on this. We have some heartbreaking video from Kabul that shows people passing their infant children to other people in the crowd ahead of them at the airport, hoping that those babies and toddlers will be evacuated. So let's take a look at that. I watched this and was reading about it today, and I just sat and cried, honestly. As a, as a mother, I can't even imagine they have women that are throwing their babies over barbed wire in a desperate attempt to save them from the Taliban. They were hoping that maybe some of these soldiers would take them, but some of those children got caught in the barbed wire. Oh, my God. It has been awful. They have been providing counseling for some of the soldiers from what they've seen. Rob, what are your thoughts on I mean, this is, um, it's unimaginable, really. My, my thoughts on that are, you saw a C-17 
loaded with, some people say it was 800 people, they thought 680 to 800 people. Um, about 1% of them were women. 99% of them were men of fighting age that abandoned weapons that the United States had given them and didn't fight to save those people and got out first. What happened to women and children first? They were cowards. They were absolute cowards for not fighting for their country and jumping on a ship or jumping on a plane and leaving women and children that, like you said, um, if you had a kid that was a, a daughter that was over 12, um, you had to put an X. If you didn't, they'd kill your whole family. Um, you know, they, they, we talked, I talked yesterday about Pol Pot. Um, I have Cambodian friends from growing up in, in Lowell, Massachusetts, where there was a large Cambodian population. And they said the first thing that they did was came and take away the guns. Right? Oh, no, no, you don't need this for hunting. And then they came back and they did this. These guys had guns. We gave them to them. And they abandoned their positions and they left. They're cowards. That's what I think about that. I just... It's amazing to me, and Stu, you brought this up about how in the media it's really being reported that, oh, they're just a, they're a more agreeable group now. The Taliban has changed. Yeah. They're giving women some rights, but it doesn't appear so. I mean, I can't even imagine these acts of desperation of women throwing their babies over barbed wire, hoping that someone is able to save them. That really tells you a lot about who they still are. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to them taking control in 1996, was it? They said all the same stuff. They said they're going to give women rights. They're going to do all these things. As long as it was under the, you know, under the banner of Sharia law, the women are going to do well. There's no reason to believe them. And I think the central thing we all need to remember, and it's going to be, tri they're going to, the media is going to do everything they can to erase it. None of this needed to occur. This is all Joe Biden's fault. Not the whole war, though he voted for it. Mm -hmm. uh, not uh, staying in there for a decade, though he was the vice president while that was occurring. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, there have been other mistakes by other presidents. I think everybody has some responsibility. Nobody's been perfect on this. But nothing is like this. This is all basic stuff that easily could have been avoided. And was a, uh, he was advised over and over again um, that, that it, it should be avoided that by his own military and his own advisors. He ignored them because he had an ideological uh, idea to pull out of that no matter what. Damn the consequences. Screw those people. We talked about it months ago. Why aren't these translators out yet? If we're really getting out in August, why are we waiting? Again, you don't need to bring... I can understand. You, you, don't want, you might be worried about vetting and all those things. You can bring them to an air base in another country and let them hang out there for a few months while you go through all of it. You don't need to let this happen. This is all avoidable and all Joe Biden's fault. It's his fault. And the media is going to try to push it off on everybody else. But this particular thing we're seeing now is his fault. And the only thing we can pray for right now is that it doesn't get much worse because there's still lots of people there that are at that are there and alive today at the whim of the Taliban. All they have to do is change their mind and thousands could die. Yes, that's how close we are. We are on teetering on the edge of this thing getting much, much worse. I just pray that that does not occur. We, we definitely do need to pray for those people. And if you do want to help, you can donate to the Nazarene Fund. You can go to Mercury One, find all that information. But everyone has been so generous and so helpful. So please keep that coming. All right, we've got a good break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Biden telling the Secretary of Education to use legal actions against governors banning mask mandates. We'll be right back. Wouldn't be a day without a mask.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In case you're wondering what's going on with mask mandates, because it's changing day to day, uh, President Biden said, we're not going to sit by as governors try to block and intimidate educators for protecting our children with school mask mandates and advises that American Rescue Plan money be used to pay teachers' salaries. Take a listen. You know, we're not going to sit by as governors try to block and intimidate educators protecting our children. For example, if a governor wants to cut the pay of a hardworking education leader who requires masks in a classroom, the money from the American Rescue Plan can be used to pay that person's salary, 100%. I'm going to say a lot more about children in schools next week. But as we head into the school year, remember this. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, says masks are critical, especially for those who are not yet vaccinated, like our children under the age of 12. Well, additionally, he said that I am directing the Secretary of Education and educator himself to take additional steps to protect our children. This includes using all of his oversight authorities and legal actions, if appropriate, appropriate against governors who are trying to block and intimidate school officials. All right. So I know you have a lot to say about this, Rob. I, I mean, maybe we'll figure out why the Department of Education has AR-15s and SWAT teams. Who knows? I mean, if we're going to use all of their legal power, maybe we'll figure out that, right? But let, let, let's talk about masks. You kept kids away from each other for an entire year and more. Now we're seeing in North Texas, in all kinds of places across the country, we are seeing rises in RSV, right? We are seeing kids, let, this weekend, they told us, oh man, the, the hospitals are filling up in Texas with with kids in ICUs. I saw a story yesterday, it's 193 kids in the hospital in Texas with COVID. There's hundreds more in the hospital in Texas in ICUs with RSV because you took kids' immune systems and you made them not work at key developmental points in their life. I mean, you wanna talk science. The way that science works is your immune system in order to work has to get viruses and bacterias to figure out how to fight them. When you let it not do that, you go from there. And to the point with masks, I said this to Chris Saliza yesterday from CNN, who said that there are tons of studies that show, no, there are studies that show community masking things might help, but there's like 20 other variables that go. Before COVID, there has been zero, zero randomized control trials that showed that masks stop the, the, the transmission of respiratory viruses. They've done studies where they, you know, they did it with like the flu and the cold and other things in colleges where they had some kids that had it and they had some kids wear masks, some kids not, right? They've done it in hospitals. And what they've shown is that with cloth masks, you may actually increase the transmission. These are studies that exist in the literature, you know, pre-COVID. I, I like to use, you know, in, in Star Wars, you use years before the Battle of Yavin. It's like <laughs> YBC, years before COVID and years after COVID, right? It's, and then we talk about Israel. Israel is the most vaccinated 
and most masked place in the world. They, they, they reinstated the mask yeah. mandate. Mm-hmm. They, they have 78% of people 12 and older are fully vaccinated. The United States is at about 59.6 in that thing, in that, that area. 63% of every Israeli has been vaccinated, which is unheard of because you have all of those people under 12 that can't be vaccinated. July 12th-ish or something, they got rid of the mask mandate. A few days later, they put the mask mandate in because they saw Delta go back up. They have the high, almost the highest levels of COVID cases that they've had during the entire pandemic. They're the most vaxxed. And they actually have fines for not wearing masks. They have strict enforcement of the mask thing. If masks worked and vaccines worked, now they supposedly don't work to help you not get it. They just help you get it less or something. But if that all worked, <laughs> tell me what's happening in Israel. This is, it's criminally wrong to tell people that something's going to work. Masks are a placebo. They are a placebo to make you think it's okay to go outside. People don't wash their masks. How no. many of those kids have had a mask that wash? And then, you know, if I hear one more person <laughs> tell me, what, do you not want your surgeon to wear a mask? Yes, I want my surgeon to wear a mask so he doesn't drool into my open womb and give me staff. <laughs> yes, I want him to wear a mask for that. Well, and in this conversation, too, it kind of begs the question, you know, what kind of precedent are we setting here with President Biden wanting to get involved with local governments and trying to say what our local governments and our, our educational systems can do or not do? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think this is a good lesson into why you don't want government all over the place. You know, I mean, like it, you can look at this in a million different ways. You know, a local school district wants to put masks on. The state is saying they can't. The federal government is saying, well, then we'll pull your money away. And like, this is why you don't want government involved in all of these things, because they all they're going to play their games, whether you're, no matter what side you like of this. Right. You're, you're going to wind up being upset because one one branch of government, one level of government is going to try to pull a power play on another. And this is a constant thing when it comes to what came with Obamacare. We saw the same type of stuff. There's always these games that go on. And, like, of course, the better solution is to just not have the government involved in these things as much as possible. Um, you know, look, I think it, you, you no, no, no group of people have been asked to sacrifice so much for so little than children. There, there's really no reason to believe. Yes, there is. It's possible and that, you know, that they can spread it at some level. They seem to spread it less than adults. Uh, but so there is some reason to think whatever steps you could take that are reasonable, you would want to take maybe, you know, especially back in March and April of 2020, large gatherings, things of that nature. But we've seen a lot of research now on on schools. It, it doesn't seem to make any sense other than just a placebo or a feel good measure at this point. And we have to remember that these kids are being asked for all these sacrifices for basically no benefit for themselves. Now, I am a little more positive, I think, than you maybe, Rob, on the vaccine angle on this. But part of that is every teacher can get vaccinated every 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 other every person who's actually in danger from this virus can get vaccinated at this point for free with basically no notice and those vaccines yes you know the, there are some is there some evidence uh, you know in, in in israel where the cases are dropping a little bit but new york just released their numbers yesterday barely dropped at all the hospitalization of keeping the hospitalization uh out of the picture is held in israel from the beginning even through delta so like look we all we there may be some sickness we all realize this is all flowing around us right now the bottom line i think though is when you have an opportunity for adults the people who are actually at risk to be able to take action if they want to they don't have to but they if they want to it's it's 
absolutely insane to be punishing children who have no real risk when it comes to this, at least when it comes to percentage This weekend, the CDC said the CDC data was 354 children out of over 4 million children that had a lab-tested case of coronavirus died. And we know it's wider. Right, and, and yeah. if it's the 4 million, it's, you know, 3, 4, 5x more than that. Yep. So let's say 20 million, 354 kids out of 20 million, and most of them had comorbidities. It's, it really wow. is a shame. I mean, and this is, and now that it's, the, the kids have become the political football, and that's the worst part of this. We do need to go to break. I feel personally triggered because I realized I did not wash my mask probably more than once in the past year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go to break. We'll be right back. So yeah, it gives me something to remember to do in case I ever have to wear it again. But yeah, I think I washed it maybe Well, here's a clip of the day for you. It's Brian Stelter defending his BFF, Chris Cuomo. Take a listen. The New York Times has just reported, a report just dropped because it had been alleged that he was helping his brother with his, you know, his communications team. New York Times is reporting that that's true. Chris was helping his brother. What's, has that created any conflict over at CNN behind closed doors? Are people mad at him or is he, is he in trouble? Some people are mad at him. By the way, I can confirm the New York Times report. I'll, I'll confirm it for your viewers. I also have a source that says Chris was on the phone with his brother this week. Is your source Chris him. Cuomo? He is not. He is not. You got to have boundaries. You got to draw a line. Why? He doesn't. Uh, I think he does, actually. Really? I think Chris does. I don't know about the governor. What are the boundaries? I think Chris does. What are the boundaries? The boundary that, that CNN management presented to him in May when, when they admitted he screwed up. They said, yeah. you know, what you did was inappropriate. You were on the phone with your brother's aides advising them on what to do. Such and that was inappropriate. But they said, of course, you're going to talk to your brother. You know, there's nothing more important. But he than didn't talk question. about his brother once the trouble started. He That's said, I'm right. not going to talk about my brother. And that was also a management ruling. And so the but way why didn't I they rule that way when his brother was on the show pretty much every night uh, during the yeah, COVID crisis? I think it's really that complicated. Seems like and a, overall, I think not. what was most important is that we covered the story on air just the same we would any other story. Ultimately, isn't that what matters? All right. So, oh. Stu, you were an expert on the Cuomo's. I was just listening to you on Megyn Kelly's podcast uh-huh, talking about yes. a great episode. People should check it out. Thank you. Um, I want to know your thoughts about this. Well, I mean, it's a completely ridiculous idea. First of all, he wasn't just talking to his brother. He literally wrote a speech. The first co- public commentary by Andrew Cuomo uh, was written by Chris Cuomo, who emailed it to Andrew. The reason we know that is because Chris Cuomo's email is in the report about Andrew Cuomo. We read it in the report. Chris Cuomo's name is in the report. It's not advising. That's He wrote the speech. And you think about how this works, and I mentioned this uh, to Megan as well. You have a situation where CNN is theoretically attempting to cover the news, right? As he pointed out, it's the most important thing. We're covering the news. At the same time, their own anchor is literally writing the speeches that they're covering. That's not okay. Nobody thinks that's okay except CNN. And, and, and like, in a way, if Chris Cuomo had the greatest ratings of all time, you'd kind of understand this, right? Like, you know, I don't know if it was like, uh, Tucker Carlson right now, like maybe Fox overlooks something. He's the biggest, you know, biggest uh, audience by far in cable news. Maybe overlooks something. This happens in sports. The best, you know, best player, Michael Jordan in 1996, probably could have done whatever he wanted and then no one would have said anything. This is Chris Cuomo. He's like the worst host on television. <laughs> no one likes him. Uh, he's constantly embarrassing the network. And for some reason, they defend him as if uh, he's got some information on them. 
it made some sense when his brother was the governor and they had a giant building inside the state. Maybe they were trying to avoid uh, repercussions. But now I really don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> were you surprised, either of you, that Stephen Colbert kind of pushed him that hard? Oh, he's great. No, it, it, it's it's Stephen Colbert's the one that didn't write to the twelve-year-old, right? That's just so we all really have. He's <laughs> not Jimmy Fallon, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Stelter is a caricature of himself. I used to write a, a column uh, at Conservative Review before we merged. Um, and my, he's a cheerleader. Stelter is a media cheerleader. He grew up idolizing media figures. All you need to know about Brian Stelter is that he has Dan Rather on to talk about the truth. Right. So I don't it's it's a very low bar for Brian Stelter. But last week I was surprised last week he did like a straight news story on the Chris Cuomo thing. Like he said, you know, there's people inside. And I was like, well, wait, well, this doesn't seem like Brian Stelter. But then when he's, you know, in front of a camera and it's not what he's written and more people see him, he seems to go back to defending, you know, CNN and defending Cuomo. I mean, it's his brother, man. Yeah. You know, it's his brother. And look, it's, an impo- like, it's, not an easy spot for, uh, it's not an easy spot for Brian to be in, right? It's his own network. Obviously, he's being told uh, how to handle this in some way, I'm sure, behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Uh, and, you know, he probably likes Chris Cuomo. He's certainly been a big defender of him over the years, so maybe he really likes him. It's just like, this is this is not a defendable thing. They, they, they drew this line where they said, okay, well, you can't talk to the governor and his aides at the same time. Like, why the hell would that matter? No one cares if he's talking to his aides. He's talking to the guy making the speeches and going after these women publicly. That's the problem. And one thing you found in every single report about Andrew Cuomo resigning and the, and the background behind it, every single one of them from the mainstream news, was that Chris Cuomo was advising his brother and advised him to step down. Why do we know that? They were supposed to be only a one-on-one conversation, right? The whole point of this arrangement was he would only talk to his brother. Why does every reporter know about that conversation? They know about it because the Cuomo camp was leaking it to all of them so that he would look good, that Chris would look good. He was the good guy. Yes, he was advising him, but he advised him to do the right thing. The whole thing's a sham, and now they're just like, they've realized they've lost Cuomo number one. They're trying to protect Cuomo number two. It's pathetic. Well, while we're talking about people everyone loves, <laughs> sarcasm, uh, Gavin Newsom. All right. So he's in kind of a, a vulnerable position. They've got ballots hitting the mail this week about the recall. It shows that uh, voter have, voters have support for Newsom at 47.6 percent, trailing opposition by just 1.2 percentage points. So the ballot consists of two questions. Should Newsom be recalled? Who among the candidates should replace him? You think he's getting nervous? Yeah, it would. I, I thought that this was just stupid and nothing was going to happen. But the <laughs> problem is, is special elections, as we as we saw in Massachusetts in 2010 when Scott Brown won, the people that that are mostly motivated are the ones that win special elections, right? And the people that are mostly motivated are the people that want Gavin Newsom gone. And it doesn't matter. Afterwards, if you say you want Gavin Newsom gone, Gavin Newsom can't be on that second ballot when they talk about it. And what Gavin Newsom has done is he scared every single credible Democrat out of the race to not be put on that second ballot. So what it looks like is we may see like a conservative firebrand, Larry Elder, be the governor of New York. And can you imagine if an African-American true conservative gets charge of the largest state in the union and can you imagine that just the sea change that that would be? And I think that's why Newsom scared more than anything else. The drama of this is actually, very, I mean, it's a real life soap opera. It's playing out with this election. Okay, we've got to go to break. 
but we're ending on a really good happy note, so you want to stay with us. When the news cycle is how it has been this week, it really makes you appreciate the little things in life, want to celebrate these great moments. And today is Rob Eno's birthday. Yes. So we want to wish Ooh, a very you. happy thank birthday you. to 48. Rob. You don't look a day over 21. Mm. Okay. So. <laughs> I, I don't feel a day younger than 60, so. Well, it's and good. we have a little something for oh. you, Rob. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. It's, it's a hidden Mickey. <laughs> it's a, a hidden you're, Mickey. You're Here Disney we go. Fan, Excellent. So there's, there's it's a good thing I don't have my mask on because I'll be able to blow it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Thank Rob, you. You, you know, you're on News & Why frequently. Um, so our audience knows you, loves you. Tell us what's one thing that you are most proud of from this past year. Oh, geez. Most proud of? Yeah, or what's what's been a that time you, uh, you this in, year? invented the Delta variant? I thought that was a good. No, that was good. <laughs> okay, that was good. I, I mean, I mean, I, I guess you know the most proud thing was like fulfilling the Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. Yes. At nancypelosisuckspen.com. Yeah. Yes. If you want to go, There's... I mean that that I, I guess over the, like professionally that that's the high highlight of my life. That's that incredible. Was a great and, it, and it could you know and it, it wouldn't have happened without Stu. So it's good that Stu was on here. Uh, with several me. great websites. Yes. For people yeah. to go Lots to. Lots right? of plate. Go to Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. I like it. He used his birthday wish to promote. The stupid pens. I love it. Fantastic. Well, happy birthday, Rob. And for everybody else who has a birthday out there today, happy birthday to you. Well, Thank Clinton. you for watching. That's and Bill Clinton, today. happy oh. birthday to him. I know. Maybe. <laughs> I know. Thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.